about this morning um, called I Am I, sorry, Disqualified. Am I Disqualified? If you've got your Bibles, let's go to Luke chapter 5. And uh, as they said earlier, we're so glad that you're here. Um, I'm Pastor Blake, and um, I'm the head pastor here, and I'm excited about what God has spoken to me about this morning. And I hope you get as excited as I am, and I hope that when you leave that you have a totally different idea about the Word of God and the God's call for your life. So I want to I wanna challenge you this morning to think about something. I, I um, as, as John mentioned that offering, we started that church, um, in, and I want to give a quick praise report. I didn't get a chance to do this in the first service, um, and I don't have time to show the video. Last Sunday, we had uh, Pastor Dylan and Ashley had their first service, and I think I showed a video. Some of you saw it. We had about seven people show up. Today, they had another service, and they had 20 people show up to the second service. Amen. So God is, God is moving in Arusha. Tanzania. I'll show that video later, but um, our church in Carrollton's doing well as well, and we're just, we're growing. We're believing that this is the year of greater. Amen. Greater. Say that with me. Greater. Amen. Plethora if you're really educated. Amen. If you weren't here last week, get the, get the podcast. We do have a podcast, not so you can miss church, but if you do. Amen. And so you can share it with somebody else. Um, so I, I, I grew up playing sports, and I played basketball and I still play to this day a lot of basketball and there there when I played I played overseas in Costa Rica for a few years professionally and when I got back and we moved here to start this church 10 years ago or almost 11 now the very first thing I did I mean very very first was I I had to find a gym that I could go play basketball at and so I knew that 24-hour fitness was the spot to go to and pretty much anywhere in the United States if you go to a 24-hour fitness they play basketball they have gyms they have good gyms, and they have a lot of good players, right? There's a lot of good, what we call ballers, okay? But there's also a lot of people that show up to the gym that think that they're ballers, okay? And so when we go to this 24-hour fitness, you, you'd start going, and you'd find out, hey, what night do they play? And so I used to go down to the one in Louisville, and uh, that's the first one I went to. And they would come from all over the Metroplex to play there. And it was really good, what we call runs, okay, good runs. And so we were playing basketball at this place, and we got the nights. And then all of a sudden, you'd start finding out what time they play and what nights they play. And so you'd show up, and then all of a sudden, you'd kind of start having the same group show up to play basketball, okay. And so it would be 15, 20, sometimes more guys. And when you walk in and you want to play, everybody can play because it's 24-hour fitness, and you paid for the membership. But how many know everybody can't play? Like, you can play, but you can't play. Y'all with me? Okay. Like, you legally can play, but you can't physically play. And so people would show up, and there was a board. And, and, and you, write on the, you write your name on the board, and, and if you're smart and you have other friends that you like to play with, you write their name too. And sometimes people write fake names that are not there yet. And so the board becomes a problem. And it's, sometimes it's a fighting problem. Amen. And people write their names on there, and and then they're warming up and everything. And so every once in a while, a person will walk in that is one of those people that thinks they can play, okay? But something kind of gives it away that they can't play. And and usually it's the shoes or the shorts, okay? So when you show up, now there are some people who can't play, but they got the gear, Right, so at least they got that. I mean, they, they walk in. I was thinking, I didn't say this in the first service. I think about this one guy that used to show up to that Louisville 24-hour fitness, and I won't say his name because he might someday hear the podcast. But he would walk in, and he had all the gear. I mean, he had the headband. He had the, the Jordans, the Nike. He had, he had everything. He had the backpack, had the ball. He would walk in the gym, and for, for months I noticed that he would walk in the gym, and he would hold the ball. He would, he would just stand there. He would never play, never sign up on the list, anything like that. It was crazy. But you have people that show up, and they're like, I'm going to go play basketball today. And it's kind of a select group. You know, it's kind of like there's, there's like this invisible level meter that if you're not certain level of basketball, you shouldn't show up. And so someone like that shows up. And so if you have New Balance on, now there's nothing wrong with New Balance if you're going to run. Okay? But New Balance are not basketball shoes. So if the dude walks in the gym and he has New Balance on, everybody gives them the look like you don't belong here. Okay? But what happens then is you think, okay, the guy's just coming in to stretch or he's going to come in and watch. But if he goes over to the board, right, Mike? If he goes over to the board, 
it's everybody looks at him like, what are you doing? That's 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 the ballers board. You don't sign up on that board. And they put his name on there. And you'll see everybody talking. You'll see everybody looking over there. And 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 sometimes the, here's another sign: cargo shorts, like fishing shorts. Great for fishing. You don't have basketball shorts on. Something's wrong. Okay. So this guy signs his name up every once in a while, and he walks away. Guess what happens? One of the ballers goes over and takes his name off. Yeah. Uh, scratches his name off, erases his name, whatever, however the board is, because he's not qualified to play basketball with the ballers. Okay? Y'all, y'all with me? All right. So, so as this happens, it's kind of sad. I heard y'all say, oh, it is kind of sad because he's paying his membership. But when you go to play basketball, you want to play good competition. And, and, and so I started thinking about being disqualified from something. Like, how does that person feel? When they go back to the board or the next game starts, and sometimes you got to wait like an hour to play, by the way, okay? If there's 20 or 30 guys and there's a lot of arguing going on, you got to wait to play. And so finally, you know, what happens next, the big problem is, is the game's about to start. His name was on the board, but somebody took his name off the board, and so he's supposed to be on, but somebody else is getting on that can play, and it's a big mess. Okay, y'all follow me? So that person gets disqualified for how he can play or not play. And I feel like in life as a believer and a Christian, a lot of times that happens to us. We might spiritually feel this morning like we're that person that walked in the gym and signed our name on the board and somebody else came and scratched our name off and said, you're not qualified to be a Christian. You're not qualified to be a believer. How many are following me? So if you start thinking about a team, like when, when we do go play, and I haven't been playing enough recently, I, I kind, of, some, kind of sort of retired, I think, from basketball because I'm afraid of getting hurt. But I, I, do, I do probably need to get back out there and play again. But I was so thankful that I could play into my 40s, and I thought about Jesus picking a team. So God's in heaven with the Father, with the Son, and he says, Son, we need to go change the world. And Jesus is like, I'll go, Father, let's do this. And God says, go pick a team. Now think about that. He's got to pick a good team, right, because he's going to change the world. So I started thinking about when Jesus comes down to pick his team. Like it it goes back to me. Maybe it's not basketball for you. Maybe it's something else. But whenever you put a team together of anything, it needs to be a good team because my thing is if you're not playing to win, why are you playing? That was not a, we don't, we have any athletes in here? Do we have any competitive people in here at all? Can you answer that a little bit better? I mean, I don't, I don't agree with the whole participate trophy. I mean, you, you got to learn how to lose, and that's okay, but we, we play to win. Do I have any believers in here this morning that are playing to win? We're, we're going to win this thing, amen? We're not just playing, we're playing to win. So when you're picking a team, you gotta, you gotta get, you know, you got to get the guys together and pick a good team. And, and I thought, man, how sad is it for that person? And maybe you're here. Maybe you're here. And, and, and teams are getting picked, right? And there's two captains. And first of all, you never get picked to be a captain, okay? But now, now you're lined up against the wall or against the fence or whatever, right? That awkward moment. And you might think, man, I, I know these guys know I don't know how to play. And so they start picking. And one gets picked and another gets picked and another gets picked. And maybe you're that person that... There's down to three people, okay? Two teams, three people. One gets picked, and the other gets picked, and you're the last one out of the whole group. And the other team goes, I'll take the last one, right? What a horrible feeling is that, right? That, that, that could be us in so many ways in our Christian walk. We are in here this morning, and we feel like we're against the fence against the wall, waiting to get picked, and we're going, pick me, pick me, and no one's picking you because you're not, you're not good enough. You're not, you're not qualified to be a Christian. And I thought about some of these things. Here's the word disqualified. Disqualified is declaring somebody ineligible for an office, an activity, or a competition because of an offense or an infringement. Okay? So like when I go into the basketball gym, their offense to me is that they're wearing new balances. And they're like, hey, I got next. And I'm like, no, you got never. You're not playing. 
Amen. And, and I know you, I know I look all nice up here and everything, but when I get on the basketball court, I don't cuss or anything, but I'm a different person. Amen. I'm a different person. I want to win. Anybody that's in here knows I don't like to lose, and I want to get on some on a team with some players that are gonna win. Okay? And so the, the offense is that you shouldn't be in the gym, you should be in a different sport, or the offense is you're wearing the wrong clothes. But in this idea this morning, it's maybe you are disqualified because maybe you have committed adultery. That's going to get quiet right here. Or maybe you're disqualified this morning because you have committed or are committing fornication. Now, some people are like, man, I don't even know what that means, but it's a big word and it sounds bad. So I I know I probably shouldn't have done it, but I might have messed up on that. Some of you might be in here and thinking, man, I'm disqualified because I've done drugs. I'm, I'm disqualified because I have a problem or have had a problem with drinking alcohol, and, and it's got me. And you, you might, maybe, maybe here's another one. Maybe you're disqualified this morning because of abuse. Maybe you've been abused. Maybe you've been the abuser. You're, you're disqualified. The, the world is saying you're out. I'm talking to somebody this morning. The world says you're, you're not able. You're not qualified. You, you can't do this. Maybe cheating. We had a, a ministry team meeting last night, and we had a game, and I told everybody, flip the thing over and don't look at it. And we got over to the other part of the room, and they started flipping it over. I'm like, we're in church. Come on, can you at least not cheat here, right? At least. I mean, act like ministers. Amen. But it's just our human nature, right? We're going to try to get that edge, right, and win. So I was glad that they wanted to win. I just wasn't glad they were cheating. Amen. Lying. Amen. See, I'm throwing some things out here now, and, and, and I promise you, you, you're one of those. We've, we, you, might, you might be like, hey, I just checked the box on every one of them. It, wherever you're at, these things disqualify you. Are you here? They disqualify you. So I'm, I'm talking to someone maybe that thinks, man, I, I'm never going to be good enough for God to even love me, let alone God use me. Use me? Use me? I mean, we're in that line going, I'm the last one picked every time. I've, I've, I'm the, as Paul said, I'm the chief of sinners. What hope do I have? But I want to show you something this morning that God gave me this week that it, I believe is going to excite you, and I believe it's going to help you understand this morning. That Let's just say this right now. I just want to get this out. Say this with me. I am not disqualified. Amen. Just to get that out, because we're talking about the word but I'm not disqualified. Like, my name is going to be on the board. And my name is on the board. But you might think, no, it's not. Someone scratched it off. Okay, let's get back to the story here. We're going to be looking at Luke 5 here in a second. But I want to show you something so powerful. Jesus, I want, I want us to go back 2,000 years in our minds. Okay, I want us to go back 2,000 years to the time of Jesus. Okay? And, and there wouldn't be a microphone or TVs, but let's go back there. Jesus is on the earth and he's Jewish. Everybody know that? That's, that's, that's Christianity 101. He's Jewish. And the people he came to save first were the Jews. His people. He came first for the Jew, then the Greek and the Gentile. We're, say, I'm a Gentile this morning. Just say that with me. I'm a Gentile. If you don't know what that is, go look it up later, but you are. Because if you're not Jewish, you're a Gentile. So, so we're Gentiles, but Jesus came for the Jews. So he comes to the earth. He, he does this thing. Now go back with me again. He does this thing where him and God are like, hey, we got we to gotta make a team, and we need an all-star team because if we're going to save the world, we need the best. So Jesus, don't mess up here. Go down and get the best. And so we know from the Bible he's going to pick a team. And so he comes down. Here's the interesting thing. Jesus was in a system that's very similar to our system today. When I say system, I mean system of religion. Okay, so he was in a time where you had to be good. And I'm going to show you how good you had to be. Like, we understand we're supposed to be good, okay? We understand that. But one of the things that you really start to understand as you read the Word of God and get into it and dive into it is that, is that we're not good, that we are disqualified, that we're not worthy, that we're, we're really sinners at heart. Like I said, I know that sounded funny, but that baby Logan, she's a sinner. Now, she's going to go to heaven if she dies before the age of accountability, thank God, because she didn't know any better, but she was born in sin. And grandma, she, grandma's like, no, she's not. She's not a sinner. She's sweet. She's, right? She's a sinner, right? She's lost without Jesus. But we're all sinners. We're all in the same category. We're all messed up. And so Jesus comes into this system 
and he's going to mess everything up. Let me tell you what the system was. This is going to blow you away to kind of make you feel a little better this morning. So the, the, the idea back in Jesus' time was to be a rabbi, okay? Do you remember some of the stories that they would say rabbi to him? They would call him rabbi. And, and he was dealing always in the synagogue with situations and stuff. So, so in that time, the best job that you could possibly have was to be a rabbi. It was the most prestigious, most looked up to, most exalted job to be a rabbi because you were smart, because you were intelligent, because you had it together, and you had stature, and you had money, and you had all these things. Has anybody ever met a Jewish person that didn't have money, by the way? They, they got money, amen? They, they, they have it. It's, they're God's people. And so they, they had this prestige. They had this money. But they had to get to that place of stature. So Jesus comes down. He starts to pick this team. Listen to this. In the time of his system, because how many remember at 12 years old, Jesus went into the synagogue? Okay? He went into the synagogue and began to teach. So at young ages, the boys would be raised up starting at six years old. Now watch this with me. Ages 6 to 10, and if you have any kids in these age groups, I want you to think about your kids being expected to do this, okay? At 6 to 10, they had to learn and memorize the entire first five books of the Bible, okay? The entire Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Some of y'all are saying, hey, I got Genesis 1-1 in the beginning, Amen. And the end of Revelation is amen. Right? All the rest in between, I'm still learning. They had to learn all five books. And they had to learn it so good that by the time they got up to 9 and 10 and they had to pass it to the next level, the rabbi would call them at class. He would say, he would say, Pastor Kirk, come up here. Of course, he wasn't pastor at that time, right, trying to be a rabbi. Say, I want you to recite Leviticus 15. No, he'd say, he wouldn't say, he said, Leviticus 15, 23. And Kirk would have to recite back Leviticus 15.22 and 15.24. The two verses around the verse, he said. You know how many verses are in the Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy? Right? Leviticus alone will give you a brain, brain freeze, right? Leviticus alone, all the words. And, and they had to say that verse. And so if they did not pass these tests, they don't go on to the next level. And they become a second-hand citizen. Now they get to the next level, 10, ages 10 to 14, okay? At 10 to 14, this is now they've passed, they had to have passed 6 to 10. They had to have learned the entire first five books of the Bible, memorized. Now they have to learn what we know today, didn't know it then, as the Old Testament, the entire Old Testament. Some of you are like, I got Psalms 23, right? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Like, we're happy we got one verse memorized, right? These guys, to be accepted and to be qualified, had to learn the whole Old Testament. Anybody got a headache? It's like when I drive through, when I drive through a university, I get a headache. Like, all that thinking that's going on in there, it's like I just get a headache when I get around UNT, right? There's so much thinking going on. So now... After they've learned the whole first five of the books, now the whole Bible, now if they're elite, they pass into the third level, becoming a rabbi, ages 14 plus. Now you can imagine that group might start with 60, I'm just throwing out a number, and then we get to 10. Those kids that played together and were in school together, now probably half of them are off doing something else, which I'll get into in a second, and the other half are still in school. And they're like, we're going to make it. I want to be a rabbi. I want to be prestigious. I want to be looked up to. I want to have this status in my life. So now 14 plus, these kids are smart. How many know you're really smart? Can you imagine your kid, 12 years old, uh, memorizing the Pledge of Allegiance? Amen? Like we are, our levels are way less, right? Some of our kids can't memorize stuff. Can you imagine? Now they're 14 plus and they're imagining all, they're memorizing all this stuff and now they're in elite class and now they have to start taking everything they've learned and they have to answer a question with a question. Does that sound familiar? If you know the Bible, Jesus would always be asked a question by the Pharisees and Sadducees and he would answer them back with a question. Because Jesus was raised in the synagogue before he became the Messiah. 
Okay? And so, so he's, some of, y- some of y'all are with me. Some of y'all are a little further behind. Got dropped off in the 6 to 10 class. Amen? And some of y'all, so you're, you're going to get, it's going to get easier. But the bottom line of what I just said is, that's a lot of smart people, and a lot of people are disqualified. Like, I'd have been disqualified at 6. I'm for sure I wouldn't have made it to 7, right? And so this last group is like super elite and they have this art. And so here's the thing. At the end of that schooling, if the rabbi looked at that student and said, you have memorized those first five books. You have memorized the whole Old Testament. You are so good at answering those questions. I see potential in you. I see that you could be a rabbi. You have gotten this far. He would say these words, these three words. He would say, and see if this sounds familiar. He would say, come, follow me. Does that sound familiar? The rabbi would say that to the younger kid who wants to be a rabbi. He'd say, come, follow me. Now, that would be awesome, right? That would be awesome to, to be in that place and hear those words. But how many people were disqualified along the way that didn't make it? And let me tell you what they heard. Let me tell you what the words, they, they weren't so nice with them. They would take that boy aside and they'd bring that boy up and they'd say, listen, and it was all different ages. Could be six, could be eight, could be 12. At whatever age they failed, they would say, listen, you've, you've done well. You've tried. You've tried. But you will never be qualified enough to be a rabbi. Now watch this. Go make a family and go get a job as a fisherman, as a carpenter, or as a farmer. You are not qualified. And he'd say this, go find a wife and get married and maybe, maybe by God's grace, one of your kids could maybe become a rabbi. But you, sir, are not ever going to be qualified enough to be a rabbi. They would go with their heads down, could be six, could be 10, could be 12, could be 15, and they would go start a trade because they weren't good enough to be a rabbi. They were disqualified. Now, now that I got your attention, think about this. Jesus comes down, and he is everything I just said. He is rabbi. He is, he is Jewish to the core. He knows the scriptures. He is the scriptures. That's cheating. Amen? Talk about cheating. He's like, I wrote it, you know? Of course I can quote it. But that's another point, right? So he's doing his thing, and he comes down to pick this team. And, and you would think, like, if I was going to pick my team, I'm going, I know who I got in this church, right? I, mean, I got a team in this church. We go pretty much anywhere. Like, I met Brian, and I met Mike, and I met Dave in the first service at 24-Hour Fitness. Like, that's where we met on the basketball court. And so I feel like we can, we could beat anybody. If we, when we had our, all our team together, we could beat when Pastor Dwayne met him on the basketball court. Now, just let me throw this out. I didn't throw this out in the first service. I did not meet Pastor Dylan on the basketball court. <laughs> I just wanted to throw that in, and he'll be listening. You hear that over there in Arusha, Tanzania? He'll laugh like crazy. He went to play with us one time. See my finger? He was wearing New Balance. Yep. He didn't have the cargo shorts, but trust me, he was wearing New Balance. But he got out there like he could play. He went up and down the court about three times and was done. And I was glad he was done. Amen. I love him to death, but he's not a baller. Okay? So if I'm picking my team and I'm Jesus, I'm going to the synagogue. I'm going to go get the smartest, wisest people that know the word of God. But did Jesus do that? This is where the message is going to turn from kind of like serious to some smiles, I hope. Because you're going to realize that Jesus did something so different. He comes and changes everything. And we're going to look at Luke 5 if you've got your Bibles. We're going to look at verse 27 in a second. But first, before we read that verse, here's what Jesus did. He came down, and he he picked four men. We're going to get back to them in a second. In his first four picks, like I said, in basketball, if you're a first four pick, you're called a lottery pick, and you're going to get rich. Like you're going to make a lot of money because you're one of those first four picks. Jesus picks fishermen. Like, do you realize that the fishermen, if you've been paying attention, do you realize the fishermen are the ones who dropped out at six, seven, eight, nine years old? They're fishing not because they want to be fishermen. They're fishing because they're not smart enough. They're disqualified to be what they wanted to be. Are you all here? So he picks them first. 
And I'm going to get back to them in just a second. But the second person in Luke 5 that he picks, as he starts picking his team, is it says in verse 27, after these things, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi, that's Matthew, sitting at the tax office. And he said to him, do these words sound familiar? Follow me. Y'all with me? That's what the rabbi would say to the young boy that was qualified. Now he's talking to a tax collector who's very disqualified and says, follow me. So he left all. Now, I didn't quite hit this. The second service is always better because I, you know, I get to hit some points I forget in the first one. It says he left all, rose up, and followed him. Why do you think he rose up and followed him so fastly? Because this is a man who was a tax collector because when he was younger, he wasn't qualified to be what he wanted to be which was a rabbi, because everybody wanted to be a rabbi. So he says, what? Come follow you? You know what he's saying? And somebody's going to get this. And, and, and I still feel like this message is a lot better than your amen to me, but that's all right. I said the second service we're going to do better, but we don't have a third service. Y'all got to pick it up a little bit. All right, help me out here. He's excited because he's been given a second chance. They told him when he was younger, you're disqualified. You're not smart enough. Go be a tax collector. Go be a fisherman. Go be a, I do say he was smart enough to go, that was a pretty good job, right? Good money. Like he better than, you know, not that a fisherman's not good, but at least was like, hey, I'm going to go make some money at least, you know, make some good money. I'm going to cheat and make a lot of money. And so the tax collector, we'll get to that in a second, is a really bad job. And so Levi, verse 29 says, gave him a feast in his own house. And there were a great number of tax collectors and others who sat down with them, and their scribes and the Pharisees complained, watch this, against him. Can you imagine now, does this make more sense now why the Pharisees and scribes are so mad at Jesus? Now that you have that little understanding of what they were expected of them, he says the the Pharisees and scribes complained against him and said, why do you eat and drink, watch this, with tax collectors and sinners? Why are you picking these people? What are you doing? Who, who, who do you think you are? And so we see here Matthew given, as I said, a second chance. And he was a tax collector because he was disqualified. Do you realize this is why the Bible's called, the gospel's called the good news? See, that's good news, amen, that I'm qualified now, that Jesus says I'm qualified. The world says I'm disqualified. The Ten Commandments say I'm disqualified. Everybody says I'm disqualified, but Jesus says come Follow me. Amen. Now, tax collectors were really bad. Do I have anybody in here that works in the IRS? So it's fair to say we don't like the IRS, right? I just want to make sure we didn't have anybody that worked for them because you got to get on their good side. Amen. I could definitely talk to you if you do. Amen. So IRS, man, it's like a cuss word, right? Taxes. So the feeling we have towards the IRS, multiply that by a whole lot. At Jesus' time to be a tax collector. Tax collectors were so bad. Now listen, if you get this, please, please get this right here. Tax collectors were so bad. Because some of you are like, man, you don't know my past. You don't know the things I've done. You don't know the places I've gone. You don't know the things I've seen. You don't, and so we have this mental attitude of, man, I'm, I'm just too bad. I'm not good enough. And all these things that the devil tells us. I want you to realize that tax collectors were the max. You know how I know? They had their own category. They were so bad. If you, if you look back at verse 30 again, it says that, that, they, that verse that says there's tax collectors and sinners. So the murderer over here, the drug dealer over here is like, at least I'm not a tax collector. <laughs> I mean, I'm not, I'm not in that category. I'm not. Do you realize tax collectors and sinners, right? Totally different category. And God calls him. Now I want to look at Luke 5, and I want to focus on a few verses here. They're so amazing and so powerful. I want to focus on Simon Peter. Okay, I want, to look at, I want to look at Simon Peter's life. We're going back to the fisherman. He, he, was, he was the number one draft pick. Okay? Now, in any sport, and in, in even in anything in the world, 
when you're the first pick, that's good, right? Like when you're, I, I, was, I was saying this in the first, I, I'm, I was still excited that when I do play, I, if we go play somewhere, I still get picked in, 40, in my 40s. And I, and I, and I get picked sometimes. I, there's been times I've been picked first. I mean, that's very, that's very exciting for me. Like there's a bunch of 20, 25-year-olds on the court. I get, I've been picked first before, and I didn't pay them. Amen? And so when you get picked, you feel good. But when you're the first pick out of all the people, Simon Peter was Jesus' first pick. But then we start, okay, Simon Peter must have had it together. He must have been really what? Really qualified. He must have been really qualified. Let's look at what John 18 says. Sorry, Luke 5. I got ahead of myself. Luke 5. Chris is going crazy back. Luke 5, verse 9. It says, for he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch. They're out, they're out fishing. Jesus tells them to, to, to fish some more. And let me just say this real quick. So we've seen that first verse there. They're out fishing. It's really bad when you're bad and you're bad at what you do that's bad. Like Peter is like, okay, I'm not good enough to be a rabbi. We don't know what age. She goes, I'm going to go be a fisherman. He's not even a good fisherman. He's not even catching anything. Jesus goes out there like, hey, did y'all catch anything? No, we've been out here all night. You know, big loser sign, right? Right? He says, throw the net in again. And so he throws the net in. See, this is, where you, this is where hopefully at least inside your spirit you're excited because when you connect with Jesus and Jesus picks you to be on his team, amazing things happen. Supernatural things happen. Miracles happen. Signs and wonders happen. Things that you can't do on your own happen when you let Jesus pick you and you say, yes, I'll follow you. Amen? So, so Peter's like, wow, this is amazing. Let's go back to the verse here. And it says, they were astonished at the catch what they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. So they were all bad fishermen. And Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. Watch this. From now on, you're going to catch men. You used to be a fisherman. Now you're going to be a fisher of men. I'm changing your vocation because I believe in you. And they told you you were disqualified, but I'm qualifying you because I'm God and I wrote the book. And I can do that. Amen. So he picks him. And so now Peter's like, yeah, they're having a party. They're saying, we're the first three picks, man. We got it going on. They probably got excited. Let's see what Peter does next. Let's go over to Luke, sorry, John chapter 18, verse 10 and 11. It says, so, so this, is, this is the story where, where Jesus is about to go be taken in. He's been in the garden, and he's been praying, and his disciples were. What were his disciples doing? Can somebody shout out to me what his disciples I want to see if anybody knows the Bible. What were his disciples doing while he was praying? Sleeping. So I'm thinking, man, God, Jesus, you did bad, man. You picked bad, right? You picked bad. He, you, God's going, what are you doing, son? You know, what's the deal? You pick these guys that can't even pray when you're about to go get taken in. So they come and get him. They come to get Jesus. And the Bible says here that Peter drew out a sword and struck the high priest's servant, cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. Now, why does Peter have a knife? Why does he have a sword? You know, we would say today Peter was packing. You know, he's, he's supposed to be peaceful, and he's packing. He's, and and he's, he's, this is Jesus' number one pick. And this isn't before he picked him. This is now after. And, and so he whips the sword out. And listen, it says he cut off his right ear. He wasn't trying to, he wasn't like, oh. He was trying to cut his head off. He was trying to kill the guy. So he wasn't even good at killing somebody. I mean, it just gets worse, right? Every, if you really think about it, this dude is a failure in every way. Yet he's somehow qualified by Jesus. Okay, now I think like you're getting it. He's really disqualified in everything he does. But God says, I, I qualify you. I call you. So Jesus said to Peter, verse 11, put your sword in the sheath. Shouldn't I drink the cup which my father has given me? Now let's look at a couple more verses as I begin to close. Luke 22, 56 to 57. Peter's already messed up so many times. Like, remember the time when he was walking on the water? And he jumped out the boat and walked and then fell? And he, so he didn't even walk on water good, amen? But I've always said he jumped out the boat. He probably looked at back the other day. None of y'all jumped out here, right? So at least he tried. 
But you just see failure after failure after failure. And sometimes, it, sometimes it's zeal and sometimes it's being in the wrong place at the wrong time. But he just keeps messing up. So now he sees, now Jesus has been taken. He's cut the dude's ear off and he's been taken. He's following him. And he goes over to where his fire is. And he's listening to what they're going to do to Jesus. And a certain servant girl, seeing him as he sat by the fire, looks at him intently and says, this man was also with him. We're going to freeze right there. This man was also with him. This was the opportunity for Peter to really earn his qualification. Right? This was the moment where Peter could be like, yes, I was. A boldness could have came upon him and he could have said, listen, let me tell you a little bit about Jesus. Let me tell you a little bit about this man. Yes, you asked me if I've been with him. Yes, I've been with him. Matter of fact, I just cut a dude's ear off for him. Let me tell you a little bit about Jesus. Me and my boys were fishing. We were fishing one day, and he said, hey, come and follow me. And we're like, hey, we're sorry. We're horrible fishermen, so we're going to come follow this guy. We ain't got nothing to lose. So they go. I'm just paraphrasing the story, okay? So he said, this is what Simon Peter would tell us, right, if he was on the stage today. And so he says, I went with this guy, and we started walking around, and listen, man, we went to this crowd of people where he was preaching, and everybody was hungry, and somebody busted out a Lunchable, and everybody ate. I don't know, I'm telling you, I don't know how it happened. He busted out a Lunchable, and all of a sudden, everybody's eating to the full. I don't know how it happened. This is the kind of stuff Jesus would do. So we're like, dude, this we're eating free. I mean, we're living good. Let's keep following this guy. So we're going along. He's healing people. He's telling people to get up off their mats, and they're walking. Uh, he's, he's spitting in dudes' eyes, and they're seeing. I mean, we're like, we've never seen a rabbi like this before. I mean, this guy is on fire. So we keep following him, and we don't really feel adequate to follow him. But, he, I mean, what can we do? This dude has got it going on. And then we have this friend called Lazarus. And this dude, Lazarus, he dies. And we're with Jesus preaching, and, and if we're being honest, he would, he would say, we weren't doing anything. Jesus was doing everything, right? I mean, if he would just really get in his head, right? And so, so we're, he was preaching and ministering, and we were just there. And, and they said, Lazarus is dead. And so Jesus, instead of going and seeing his friend, he says, no, I'm not going to go. I'm going to wait. And so the dude dies, and then he dies for four days, and Jesus is like, now, now I think I'm going to go heal this guy. So he goes over and says, Lazarus, come out. And he comes out the grave, and the dude stunk really bad. I mean, this is the kind of Jesus that I serve. And, 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 and so he would tell this story. Are you following me? He, would, he had a moment right there where he could have said, you know what? Jesus has been believing in me for a long time. It's time I start acting like a qualified man of God. Yes, I know Jesus. Yes, I'm a, I believe. Yes, I, yes, yes, yes. But what did he do? Look at the next verse. But he denied him. Saying, woman, now she wasn't even a woman, she's a little girl, maybe 12, I do not know him. Loser, right? In the world's eyes, absolutely disqualified. Not worthy to follow. Not, 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 he doesn't deserve to, I mean, he's just failed and failed and failed. But watch this, let's watch how this story begins to end. Let's go to Mark 16. Jesus dies. Right before we read this verse, Jesus dies. And what does Peter do? Does Peter take the opportunity now? I mean, this it's opportunity after opportunity. Hey, hey, guys, he said he was going to die. What does Peter do? Goes back to fishing, which he's not even good at. Goes, he's like, man, he's gone. So he goes back to fishing. Jesus dies. And what does Jesus do? What changed the world? Jesus rose from the dead. He didn't stay in the tomb. And so, so some, some, some women went and, some, and, and checked out the tomb. And it says, entering the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a long white robe sitting on the right side. That was an angel. And they were alarmed. Watch this. But he said to them, do not be alarmed because who you seek, Jesus of Nazareth, what, who was crucified, thank God for the was, can you say amen? He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. Now watch this. If you don't get anything else out of this message, get this. 
major failure, major loser, disqualified time and time again. Watch what, watch what God does with Peter. Go tell his disciples and Peter. And Peter. See, he, he's putting an emphasis on that man that, dis, that denied him three times. And he says, I got to make sure. See, you don't understand. I'm, I've changed the game. And Peter. Make sure Peter, for sure, make sure Peter comes and make sure he sees me because everybody's calling him disqualified. But he's still qualified for me. His name is still on the board. You're not wiping it off. He's not wiping it off. Nobody's wiping it off. If I put his name there, the Bible says the gifts of God are irrevocable. If I put his name there, then it's staying there. Come on, somebody, get this. If God called you, he called you. If he loves you, he loves you. If he uses you, he's going to use you. If he sets you apart, he's going to set you apart. Amen. Go tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you into Galilee. And there he will see you as he said to you. What a word. Y'all see the difference between what the rabbis would expect from those young boys and what Jesus was looking for? What was Jesus looking for? Talent? Age? You know, most of them were really young. Was he looking for people who had money? Was he, what was he looking for? What was the, what's the characteristic of what he was looking for? He was looking for sinners, but even more than sinners, he was looking for somebody who would be willing to follow him and take his qualification and say, listen, if God says it, I believe it. Because he wrote the book. He has the authority. The last phrase I want to leave you with, I want you to look at the screen and look at this because this is the key. This is the key. Go home with Ann Peter and go home with this because Jesus calls you not because you're qualified. He calls you and then qualifies you. None of us are qualified. None of us are qualified. None of us line up on our best day. Those rabbi kids on their best day after they had just gone through the whole Old Testament and had answered back every question, they still, the Bible says, fell short. Their righteousness was still filthy rags. Filthy rags. Are y'all seeing this morning that the world disqualifies us, our mind disqualifies us, Sometimes our family and our friends disqualifies us, but you are not disqualified. Because if he could use Peter, and he could use a tax collector who was beyond sinner, if he could use Paul who said, I'm the chief of all sinners, he can use you. He can use you, amen? He can use you. Say this with me I am qualified. Because Ephesians 2, 8, 9 tells us this, for by grace you have been saved. What, what, what saved Peter? What saved James? What saved John? What saves you? What saves me is faith. Faith. Now this does not take away, church, from the fact that we should live a holy life, that we should do our best not to lie, do our best not to cheat. All those things is, are, are the things that we're, we're learning. That's why we come to church. That's why we do discipleship. That's why we do next step. That's why we have small groups. We're growing. We're learning. But, but you cannot get the cart before the horse. None of those things put you in good standing with God. The only thing that puts you in good standing with God is saying, God, through faith, I accept your grace. Because he says, we're saved by that, not of ourselves. Not of ourselves. It is the gift of God. How many know a gift is given and you freely receive it? You just take it. Thank you. If it's a real gift, they're not expecting anything back. Not of works, it says, lest any man should boast. 
Watch how many people are going to be in heaven. Look at my hand, how many people are going to be in heaven because of their works. Because they were good enough. Because they were smart enough. Because they had enough talent. Because they had enough ability. Zero. The people who are going to be in heaven are going to be the people who took God at his word and said, you say I'm qualified? I don't need anybody else to tell me that. I believe it. He's the chief shepherd, and we're his assistants. His word says it, and I believe it. I want to close before we come to the altar and spend some time in prayer with something that happened this week that I thought was really amazing. We do a discipleship every Friday morning, and you never know who's going to show up. Sometimes it's three or four. Sometimes it's 15. It's early in the morning, so it's, it's tough to get there, but I do that on purpose. And so this last Friday, I was already going to preach this message, and God gave me the most amazing illustrated sermon. And I want to play it for you here in just a second. But I want, as you listen to this, I want you to see what God can do. And this is a perfect picture of exactly what he did here in the Word, that God takes ordinary men and ordinary women and uses them to do extraordinary things. And this is just a real cool little picture of how God just threw this together. I didn't plan it. Nobody planned it, but it just happened. So there's not going to be anything on the screen, but if you'll just do this for me, I think you'll hear it better. If you'll just close your eyes where you're at and just listen to this, watch what God did Friday morning. Listen. On Thursday night, I sent out my regular text to the men reminding them of men's discipleship on Friday morning. With no instructions other than to bring their favorite Old Testament and their favorite New Testament verse. Friday morning, 12 men showed up for men's discipleship at 5.30 a.m. As we went around the room clockwise, but in no particular order, just as men sat down, as they began to read their scriptures, I wrote down something from each verse. And God used 12 ordinary men to do an amazing message by the Holy Spirit. Jesse Salazar told us that Jeremiah 29:11 says God has thoughts of a future hope for us and John 16:33 says Jesus has overcome the world. Casey said that Proverbs 3:5 causes us to trust in the Lord always and lean on him. And Romans 8:18 gives us understanding that the suffering we go through on this earth cannot compare to the glory we will one day know in heaven. Jose said that we should ask for a clean heart through repentance out of Psalms 51.10. And we should not be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, Romans 1.16. Rowdy said Psalms 23 is his comfort. And because of Philippians 4.13, he can do all things through Christ that gives him strength. Christoph said he wants to stay just and humble out of Micah 6.8 and that he's going to continue to press on towards the prize in Philippians 3.12. Juan said we should have no fear out of Psalms 27.1 and that he's amazed that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, Romans 5.8. Kevin said God has given us the power to get wealth out of Deuteronomy 8.18 and that we are God's workmanship in Ephesians 2.10. Chris said that God will uphold us by his mighty right hand in Isaiah 41.10 and that Mark 8.36 tells us nothing will profit us in this world if it causes us to lose our soul. Jesse Lemon said it's important to have wisdom and understanding out of Proverbs 2.10 and that helps us to lay aside every weight that ties us down from God's will in Hebrews 12.1. John said in 27.14 of Psalms that we should wait on the Lord and that will allow us to be able to put on the whole armor of God in Ephesians 6.11. David Guzman said we should put in the work in Proverbs 12.11 and that will allow us to minister God's love to others as mentioned in 1 Peter 4.10. I finished us off in 1 Samuel 16:7, where God says he does not look on the outside of a man or his physical appearance, but he looks at a man's heart. As the Holy Spirit spoke, and before I read my final verse, 
I was so amazed of God's grace that he could take 12 ordinary men early in the morning on a Friday of discipleship, nobody talking to anybody else, and finding out that we had all spoken different verses and not one verse had been repeated. I ended it with grace of 2 Corinthians 5.21. It says, God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Amen. How many felt the Holy Spirit on that? I, I, I had to redo it several times in my office because the first few times I started reading it, I started crying. I could just feel God's presence on it. That's how the Bible was written. God spoke to men, and they wrote down what he said to write down. These, these men came in on the, I didn't know how many people were going to show up, sometimes five, sometimes 15, exactly 12 men showed up, and they just sat down. I didn't say sit here, sit there. They just sat down, didn't know what verses they were going to bring. We started left to right, went clockwise around, and I just scribbled down something from each verse and listened to the message God put together. That's so powerful. But it's a, it's a picture of God taking the ordinary and making it extraordinary when God's involved. That's why we don't want to be religious. We want to have a relationship. Because religion doesn't change anybody. I looked around this morning as we were worshiping and praising, and I saw several people crying and weeping during praise and worship. We talked about this at our ministers' meeting last night, our team meeting last night, that the only thing we care about in this place when people leave is that they know they've been in the presence of God. You're going to forget the message. You're going to forget the songs we sang, but you're going to know that you've been in the presence of the King and that that king loves you, and that king died for you, and that king qualifies you. He qualifies you this morning. You're his child. You're his workmanship. You're his masterpiece. And he took you just as you are. But he loves you too much to leave you that way. And that's where discipleship comes in. That's where growth comes in. And that's why we come to church, to fellowship and to learn so that we can be the very best examples of God that we can be. So if you'd bow your heads and close your eyes all over this place once again, I want to pray. I want to ask you this morning, do you know Jesus? Do you really know him? And maybe, maybe this morning this message has spoken to you and it's opened up your eyes. Maybe you've never come to Christ because you thought, I'm not good enough. I'm not qualified. I make too many mistakes. I've failed too many times. I've told too many lies. I've fallen so many times. Maybe that's the lie that the devil tells you, and he says, you're not able, you're not worthy, you're not good enough. And you've never said, Jesus, I surrender. I surrender. But this morning... Jesus is knocking at the door of your heart. And he's saying, let me in. He's saying, come, follow me. And the crazy thing is, he's not asking you to recite scripture. The crazy thing is, he's not asking you to be perfect. The crazy thing is, he's not checking your bank account or, or what you do for a living or what you did last week. He's just saying, come, follow me. And he says these key words, I'll make you fisher of men I'll change you and you'll become like me but first you have to surrender first you have to say yes Lord you have to drop everything that tax collector dropped his books those fishermen dropped their nets and just like we see in the story there's going to be some times along your way you're going to drop the net again or you're going to go back to the net again you're going to pick up your old ways sometimes. You're going to grab your old thoughts. But you've got to drop them again. And you've got to surrender again. And you've got to run to the merciful hands of God and say, God, I'm sorry. That was not my intent. I don't want to live like that. I want to please you because you've done so much for me. I want to tell others about your love and your grace and your mercy. I want to tell others that they're not disqualified. How many this morning would say, Pastor, would you pray for me because I want to be saved right now. 
I want Jesus to come into my life. I want to accept him. I feel him knocking at the door of my heart. Would you just lift your hand all over this place? That's me. I don't care how long you've been coming to church. I don't care how much you know. I, I, I don't know Jesus. I need a relationship this morning. I'm not asking if you have a membership to a church. Amen. God bless you. I see your hands. God, God's not going to look at membership. He, doesn't, he, didn't look, he didn't go to the synagogue. He's not, he didn't come for church people. He came for the lost. He came for the disqualified. I see your hand. God bless you. He came for the disqualified. You're not going to be able to quote your membership. You're not going to be able to shout the name of your church. You're not going to be able to say, I got baptized. I gave an offering. Those things don't work. Those are things we do after we get saved. Those are things we do out of obedience to the Lord. But you can't do them to be saved. I see your hand. You cannot do them to be saved. I see your hand. And that happens a lot. We live in a religious generation that thinks if I check the box, if I show up, I did it right. But God is looking for more. He's looking for you to believe on what he did for you. Religion says, come up to me. Religion says, climb the ladder. Try to be good enough, and maybe I'll let you in. But God said, no, I'm coming down where you're at. I'm coming down from my glory. I'm humbling myself, and I'm coming down to your level, and I'm going to bring you up with me. And this morning, he's saying, come, follow me. I believe some hands were raised this morning of some people who, who maybe have some knowledge. You might be able to quote a few verses. You might have been raised in church. Let me tell you something. There is a generation of people out there who were raised in church, and they checked the box, but they don't know Jesus. They never had a relationship with Jesus. They never understood that they'll never be good enough, but God still qualifies us because by his blood, he shed on the cross for our sins. He forgives us. If, we're, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of all of our sins. And listen to this. Cleanse us from all our unrighteousness. I feel the presence of the Lord here. The Holy Spirit is here. He's working. He's working. This is serious business. This, this, is, this is what God came for. He came so that we would get a revelation of who he is, so that we can tell others who he is. You can't tell others who he is if you don't know who he is. Jesus wants to change your life today. Jesus did not go into the synagogue and call any of those guys. It, we don't, it doesn't mean, listen, listen to this. It doesn't mean they didn't follow him because he did have followers from the synagogue. The Bible says people left the synagogue and followed him. The Bible says that those people did get saved, but he did not go grab them to change the world. He went for the outcasts. He went for the rejected. He went for the hurting. He went for the lost. Why? So we could relate and say, if God can use them, God can use me. As we stand this morning in reverence to the Lord, just, just stay in this spirit because I'm telling you, God's working on some hearts. God's working on some hearts. I saw several hands go up. I want to ask you to do one more thing. In that story, in that story, she said, you, you were with him. And he had that moment to say, yes, I was and yes, I am. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. But he didn't. He denied him. I don't know who you're talking about. I don't know who he is. The Bible says that if you will confess Christ before men, he'll confess you before his father. He'll say, he's with me. She's with me. Like when you're going into an important place and nobody can get in unless they're on the list. Maybe you've been to a place like that and you get rejected because you're not on the list. But someone important comes along that you know and they say, hey, he's with me. That's how we're going to get into heaven. Nothing we've done, but we're going to be with Jesus. And when I get there, I'm going to say, Jesus, I'm with Jesus. Why are you here? Because of Jesus. He's my salvation. But the Bible says if you deny him before man, 
he'll deny you before the Father that is in heaven. So we must make a public confession of our faith. If you've already made that this morning in your life, in your believer here, keep making it every day. Keep making it and telling people that they can be qualified, that they're not disqualified. But right now, if you raised your hand and you meant it, and I even feel like there's a few here that did not raise their hand, but you know you need to come. If you raised your hand, I want you to step out of your seat and just come stand right up here in front of me quickly. I saw several hands across this place. Just come stand right here. We're going to pray together. Amen. God bless you. We're going to pray together. Come on, I saw more hands. Come on, I don't, I'm going to wait on you. Amen. Amen. God bless you. I saw more hands go up. We're going to wait. Amen. Come on, don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed. Amen. This is, this is a powerful moment. This is important. Amen. I'm going to give just a few more seconds. When I got saved 26 years ago, I was at the altar before the guy was done preaching. I knew I was lost. I knew I had, I had been Peter. I had failed him. I had backslidden. I had gone back to my old ways. I, I was saved at nine years old, filled with the Holy Spirit. But I backslid, and I went back to, to old ways, and, and, and some of it wasn't my fault. Some of it was not, not having some, some men in my life to teach me how to live. And, and that's why I'm so passionate about discipleship. My dad is the pa assistant pastor here. He's an amazing man, but he was busy working. I didn't have any men speaking into my life and helping me be a man. And I'm here for that. If you look around this church, there's a strong presence of men. And that's on purpose. Because that's what Jesus did. It's not a chauvinist thing. Women are, are very important and just as important. But Jesus took men aside. And he discipled them because men are supposed to lead their families. And so it's very strong in our church. And if you want to be held accountable, we'll hold you accountable. But I want to speak some things into your life that no one spoke into mine. And I want to try to teach you how to be a father and a husband and a disciple. Amen. So I'm here. And you're here. And I'm, I'm doing what Paul said. Follow me as I follow Christ. So if you're here this morning, listen, tomorrow's not promised. I know there's some food over there. I know it smells good, and it's going to be there. It's not going nowhere. But tomorrow's not promised. Today's the day of salvation. If you're not sure, if you're not sure this morning, come stand here and say a prayer. Religion kills. If I'm depending at all on my goodness, I'm lost. Jesus will say, depart from me. I never knew you. Because if we try to live by the law, the Bible says we have to live by every dot and every crossed T. And we can't do it. So we do that. We live like that because we're thankful and we're trying to follow the Lord. But we don't do it to get saved. We're sinners saved by grace. I want everybody in this place to say this prayer with me this morning. If you bow your heads and close your eyes, and God's going to do something. Say, Lord Jesus, I come before you this morning understanding through your word that I am a sinner and I'm disqualified. And in the world's eyes, I'm lost and I'm hopeless. I'm dry bones. But Jesus, I just read in your word that you love people and you love us right where we're at. Jesus, I believe in your word. I believe you came down from heaven and you picked a team that was disqualified by the world. But because of your blood, because of your resurrection, in your power, you qualified them. Jesus, this morning, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe you rose from the tomb and defeated death and hell and the grave. Jesus, I will follow you from this day forward. I surrender my life to you. 
come into my life, take over my life, and write my name in the Lamb's book of life. In Jesus' name. And from this day forward, I'm going to serve you. I'm going to do my very best to live up to the qualification that you have given me today, that you've given me freely. Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a big praise this morning. Amen. Come on, church. Some some decisions have been made this morning. Hallelujah. As they, as they stay here for just a moment, let's find a place at the altar. My question as you come this morning is, what have you not surrendered? What have you not surrendered? Don't, don't, don't wait for someone else. Just, just, just come and say, Lord, I, I, you probably already know what it is. Here, here's an area of my life I have not surrendered to. Here's an area of my life I have not laid down. Or maybe you don't know, but you say, God, show me. Show me what is not totally surrendered to you this morning. Let's, let's take a few minutes and let's let this message marinate in our spirits. Let, let this message do something in us so that we leave different than when we came in. As we sing this song this morning, just talk to God. Talk to him in your own words.